It's a joy to be with you guys, and so uh, I think my wife was more nervous than I was trying to get ready for this morning to share with you guys God's Word, but hey, when you're following worship like that team, I'm just telling you, Adam and team, that's just amazing. I hope you know as a church that we are so blessed to have Adam and this group leading us into worship, our staff that we have here, you as a congregation. I'm just delighted to be a part of this church as well, and so we're just so grateful for you guys and opportunities. And and again, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 1. This morning, I want to talk to you about uh, uh, God's Word in Psalm chapter 1. And uh, what I love about the Psalm is it gives us so many directions and guidances in life so that we can really, uh, really just uh, kind of live well uh, in the life that God's called us to. As you're turning to Psalm chapter 1, a couple things I wrote down this morning I want to share with you is that God uses two things to move heavy things into and out of our lives. Okay, God uses two things to move heavy things into and out of our lives. He uses the Word of God, and He uses prayer. I love that. The Word of God that is constant and never-changing, and prayer that's full of the Spirit, which allows us to to be flexible in and out of difficult times of our lives. I love a quote that comes from Ian Bounds. Ian Bounds says, The Word of God, he says, is a fulcrum by which we place the lever of prayer across, which moves things mightily. So you take the Word of God, and you take prayer, and you lay prayer across God's Word, and God's will can be accomplished in anything in the world, anything across the universe. Nothing limits His Word. Nothing limits prayer. The Word is eternal. Prayer is eternal. And so those are some things I wanted to share with you guys this morning. So let's begin in prayer. Father, thank you for your love and grace and goodness. Thank you for this opportunity and the worship we experienced. God, the challenge that came from the music and the words that were laced with that music. And God, just are so grateful. We pray for Pastor Brooks and we pray for him, Lord, just for healing. And we pray continually for the work here, uh, the church and, and the community. And God, just getting the gospel out and encouragement to saturate this island. And so we pray that would continue on. So Lord, now fill me with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, speak to me a fresh word from your word as I challenge the church about your word and how it can do the heavy lifting in our lives that we need at times. So Father, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. One of the things I share now, my wife is the volunteer campus minister now in the Savannah area. I used to be leading that ministry out, but she's taken over that since I've stepped into some new roles with Georgia Baptist and puts me on the road more often. But one of the things I would always teach college and university students and even young adults and adults alike would be that how important God's word is. Isaiah 55 11 tells us that God's word will never return void. Think about that for a minute. It tells us that God's word will never return void. Anytime the word is heard, is read, is studied, is memorized, is meditated upon, that word's going to continue to ripple out through all eternity until it accomplishes its purpose in which it was intended. Well, the primary purposes of God's word is to bring us into a, a personal relationship with the Father through Jesus the Son. And we know that through the gospel. But the word is one of those things where sometimes you and I have a tendency to, to, to maybe take it for granted. Something that you see all the time, sometimes you just know it's going to be there, and so sometimes you don't invest as much into it as maybe you need to when it's maybe not around all the time. And so uh, it's one of those things where I only challenge you guys this morning about the Word of God. And really, there there, there are basically uh, five ways that you and I get the Word of God in us. Before we get to the text, think about this. We hear the Word of God. Now, we hear it all kinds of ways. Uh, we hear it in the singing and worship. We, we hear it in the preaching of the Word, the, the teaching of the small group Sunday school and discipleship. We hear the Word of God on, on the radio. We hear it on, on, on the Internet and on, on, on different ways, our, our mobile devices and things. We can hear the Word of God in so many ways. 
And also we can read the Word of God. Not just hear it with our ears, but we read the Word of God. About 80% of us, all we ever do is hear and read the Word and we stop right there. That's just what statistics tell us. When really there's three other elements that you and I need to be a part of in our lives when we're consuming the Word of God. Not just hear, not just read, that's good. But we need to study the Word of God. We need to memorize the Word of God. And we need to meditate on the Word of God. See, if we hear and we read, we study, we memorize, and we meditate on God's Word, we get a grasp on God's Word. But more importantly, God's Word gets a grasp on us. Now, when I became a Christian years ago at, at the age of 20, and, and I remember when I first started studying the Word of God, I was amazed. And they asked me to help in children's church. And so in children's church, they started telling all these miraculous stories of the Scriptures. And I was just in the back there, and all these kids kind of had grown up with these children's sermons and churches and Bible studies and things, and they had heard these miraculous stories, but I didn't grow up in the church. And I remember hearing about the flood and hearing about all these different things and hearing about these miraculous... I'm like, really? That really happened? You are kidding me. I was just awed at these stories coming from this book. And, and, and so I, I developed a hunger for the Word of God. And, and thankfully, that hunger continues on to this day. And, and I'll be confessional. There are times when I'm, my hunger for the Word of God is just overwhelming. And that's a good thing. And, and to be honest, there are times when I see the Word of God as just something like a snack that I go to occasionally if I'm a little hungry. But we need to find ourselves consumed by the Word of God. Knowing it's not just a little snack that we snack on. Hey, it's there in those moments because it's faithful to itself and the originator, Father, love. But we need to know that the Word of God needs to be something that we grab hold of so it can grab hold of our lives. And so that's why I want us to dive into Psalm 1 today because Psalm 1 kind of takes us through a passage of how important being a believer, following and loving and consuming the Word of God is to us. It will sustain us. A little snack won't. Uh, it's funny, uh, Brother Adam, I have kind of a ritual that I get up and when I'm, I know I'm preaching, I kind of go through this ritual. It actually starts like on Saturday night and starts with supper and what I eat and what I don't eat and all kinds of things. <laughs> this morning, I might be a little keyed up because I think my ritual got broken because as I was driving down the road, eating my Nutter Butters and drinking my Mountain Dew, I'm thinking, well, this could be interesting today. And my wife's like, Lord help him. And so, uh, but anyway, but we're here, we're ready and we're excited. Not only from the worship, but the sugar, but... Uh, but the Word of God, it tells us in someone, listen to it as I read along. It said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and the law he meditates day and night. Verse 3, He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water, that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also should not wither, but whatever he does shall prosper. Verse 4 tells us, however, here's what happens to, to lives not connected to Jesus not connected to the word. The ungodly are not so, but they're like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There's a huge difference in those who believe in Christ and those who follow the word of God as to those who don't know Jesus and aren't following the word of God. And so this morning, I want to share and take us through this passage. It's, 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 it's really a great passage. It's one of my favorite passages. <clears throat> it begins with, blessed is the man. Three things I wrote up here. When you talk about blessing the man, the word blessed here in the Hebrew, I love this, is always plural. We're singing about God's blessing and his faithfulness up here earlier. See, God's blessings are always plural. 
God's not a singular God. He's a plural God in the sense how he wants to love on you and bless you and provide for you so that you can love on and bless on others and provide for them. You see, that's how God's blessings flow. They flow into us to flow out to one another and flow into a lost world. God's blessings are always plural. So when you read the word of God, you may hear one thing, someone else hears another thing, and still someone else hears even another thing. It all has a central point in context, but God's application can be varied because the Word of God has that sense of plurality of being able to, to come around us in our personalities and in our, in our sense of who we are and, and how we were raised and how we understand things. It always has that central truth. It never diverts. It never, never confuses. It never debates or argues or disagrees or is in conflict with itself. It always glorifies the Father. You see, the Word of God blesses us. And we're blessed when we begin to look at God's Word. So it's not only plural, but also we need to look at the blessing more than the blesser. Our Father's a good, good Father, and He gives good gifts from above. And those gifts are who He is by nature. But we can't look at the gifts and forget to look at the blesser. Now, my wife has given me some amazing gifts through our 30-something years of marriage. But I'm so in love with the giver than the gifts even though there have been spectacular gifts. It's the giver of those gifts that I love more than the gifts that are received. And that's what it is with God. He's a blessed God, and He blesses us in, in ways, and His blessings are, our blessings are, are intended as good, good gifts. But we must focus on the giver. So when we're thinking about blessing, it's a plural word. It's a, it's a, it's a gift that comes from above. And, and here's the other thing. Just because we're blessed of God does not mean we're absent of difficulties, church. You've heard this, John 16, 33. It talks about, it tells us, in the world you're going to have troubles. Capital T. Troubles. All of us. I love the, the, the music that was here this morning, the worship time, and, and what it was speaking to me was to, reminding me of God's faithfulness to me, even when I'm not faithful to Him, and God's promises and all these things. It tells us all that is so that you and I can survive, and not only survive, but we can thrive in a world that's troubled. We live in a troubled world but we can overcome this world because he's overcome the world already for us. And his word is what connects us to that ability to, to, to understand, discern. So blessed is the man. And blessed is the man, person here in general, that does not do three things. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Let's take the first one here. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man who does not consider the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed are you and I when we're not listening to what the world says we ought to look like and live like and be like. Now, there's some good things in the world. God's created this world. It's his creation. So there's some good things out there. But there are more bad things out there that's trying to force itself into us as believers that want to pull us away from the Lord, pull us away from the word, and pull us away from one another as the body of Christ. So, so blessed is the man, blessed is the person who doesn't listen to the things of the world. You know what happens, church, when you and I listen to the things of the world? Sometimes we look a little foolish. You ever looked a little foolish? Oh, I have. My wife's probably got a list. She could just show you right now of all the foolish moments in my life, I'm, I'm afraid, but not really. But we can look a little foolish. And I tell you what happens, when we look a little foolish to the world, the world begins to doubt our message. Devout our commitment. And so we've got to be careful that we're not listening to the things of the world that are leading us away from God's word and principles and teaching and, and the church. 
which strengthens our relationship with Christ. And we, it's easy to happen. It happens all the time. It's funny how, how subtle it can be sometimes. You and I can be. It, have you ever been walking somewhere? And, and you know, it's, it's like, now my wife, when we go shopping, it's, it's an amazing time of shopping. It's, it's, it's an adventure. And, it, and first of all, she's got to touch everything. And she's got to move everything. And I'm thinking, are you looking for this? No. I'm just looking. And so, now guys, we get out of the truck, man. <laughs> we make a beeline straight for it. We buy it. We get back in the truck. And, and, and you know, and, and then we're trying to figure out how we're going to tell our wife what we just bought, we didn't need. But anyway, so we've got all that going on. But now, what happens sometimes to us men? We have those moments. I think that you guys must just live out all the time. When we walk into the store and all of a sudden, wait a minute. What is this? I don't have one of these. I'm sure I need one of these. I mean, who doesn't need a, a bulletproof, waterproof, uh, everything proof, something, something, something? You know, it's just, it's gotta, I gotta have one of those. You know, it's, in other words, something catches our eye that we've never even thought about in our life. You see, that's how the adversary does with the things of the world. He throws them out there all the time. And usually you and I, when we're focused on, on Jesus, when we're in the Word and we're loving one another and everything's healthy and well in our lives spiritually, we, we just kind of blow right by those things. But when we get distracted, it's usually because we're out of touch with daily time in the Word, out of touch with fellowship and with Christ in quiet times and things. And so it's a part of all of us. It happens. To look's one thing, but the next one moves us a little further down. So we shouldn't consider things in the world. Don't let them distract us away. The other thing we shouldn't do is we shouldn't stand in the path of the sinners. This moves a little deeper in the process. The first one is not walk or consider. The second one here is not to stand in the path of sinners. It means not to agree with the world. It's one thing to think about what the world may be saying, but to keep on moving, that's how we're to do. But if we pause to think about it long enough, we'll begin to debate back and forth with the truth, the Word of God. Hmm. Is this true or is that true? What's, what's truth here in, the, in this issue of my life or this thing in my life? You see... The psalmist tells us, blessed is a man who does not stand in the path of sinners, who doesn't agree with the things that you're in the midst of. You and I are in the midst of all these things. If we're not careful, we'll not only think about them, but we'll move to agree with them. And we're seeing that in the church. I've got a friend of mine, and he's going through some real challenges because of some direction that his church is going in. And he's, he's trying to decide, do I keep me and my family there, or, 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 or what do we do? And, and it's back and forth. And these are things that he would have never believed that he would have had to consider in his entire life within the church that he grew up with. That's within the church. The world's a whole different place. It's the world, but the church. So we've got to be cautious that we don't hear things in the world. We begin to think about those things, consider those things. And eventually maybe stand on those things, which means agreeing with things. See, if we consider things in the world, we sometimes look foolish. But if we agree or stand in the path of the sinners, now we're looking foolish. We've made that decision to follow this direction, and now we're going to look foolish to the world. Not only seem foolish, but we are foolish. Because now we're beginning to contradict what the Word of God says in our lives personally, in our lives corporately as the body of Christ, and in our lives as believers around the world. <clears throat> You've got to be careful. So blessed is a man who does not consider. <clears throat> blessed is a man who does not stand. And the third one is, blessed is a man who does not sit in the seat of the scornful. The word sit there can really be translated trust. That's like coming to faith in Jesus. I can say, you know what? I believe Jesus can save me. But until I put my trust in Jesus, it's just in my mind a consideration. It's like these chairs out here. I know those chairs can hold me. 
But until you put your weight into those chairs, unless you miss the chair, okay, I'm just saying. But, but until you put your weight in a chair, I'm sorry, sister. The, uh, but, but, but you put the weight in this chair, then that's when you really know whether that chair will trust and will hold. And I'm glad you're well. But it is one of those things where it's the reality of life. And here he's saying, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Trust in the things of the world. You see, when we're trusting in the things of the world, we're moving away from what the Scripture teaches, the direction we ought to be moving. This, this word scornful means someone who would stand up and say, of the Word of God is foolish and shake his fist at God. That's what scornful means. The Hebrew writer is saying. See, it's one thing to think, is the world right and this wrong? That's another thing to say, this is wrong and the world is right. That's a whole different context. So you see what's happening in this, this, this transition. It moves from thinking to agreeing to trusting, not in this, but trusting in the world. It's interesting. Remember I told you we hear, we read, we study, we memorize, and we meditate. It's the same principle here and opposite. We're hearing the things of the world. We're studying the things of the world. We're meditating on the things of the world. And when we meditate on something, it transforms us. It changes us. It really does. So the psalmist is throwing some things out here that just, just something that was on my heart this morning as I started thinking about what I want to share. And as I thought, man, this is something I always need to be challenged on in my own life. And maybe it might help you in your challenge in your life. Is that, that God wants to move heavy things out of our life and sometimes move heavy things into our life. And he does it with the word of God in prayer. So we need to know about this element of transitioning and studying the word of God. And realizing what it does when we aren't listening. When we're agreeing, and then when we're trusting. See, I, I don't think any of you this morning are anywhere near the trusting in the world. I think everyone here this morning, you may occasionally consider, may occasionally agree, but I think for the most part, all of us go back to default to loving Jesus, loving the Word, and living a life of faith. I think that's where most of us are. But we've got to be careful with that process. And here's why. Verse 1 tells us, all right, here's the deal. We're blessed, but you've got to be careful. Don't let the world influence you to draw you away from the Word of God. And then verse 2 is why we don't allow the world to draw us away from the Word of God. Verse 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and the law he meditates day and night. He meditates day and night. His delight. The Hebrew word delight there is to lean into. You know where the best place, if you want to go see a good illustration for the Hebrew word of delight is? You go down to River Street, you go to that candy place where they got all that pralines and all that stuff going on. You ever seen people like there? Lean into that counter. I mean, their face is right here. Like, mm, man, you know, it's, they are delighting in what's behind that glass. They're leaning into it. They want it. That's how we ought to be with the word of God. And when we get to the Word of God, we just lean into it. Go, oh, Lord, feed me, teach me, grow me, change me, forgive me. Lean into it. The delight. And the delight's in the law of God. Vance Hamner is an old preacher from North Carolina. And Vance Hamner used to say this about the Word of God. He said, the Word of God is either absolute truth in your life or it's obsolete truth in your life. No in the middle. That's tough. The Word of God is either absolute truth in your life or it's obsolete truth in your life. 
It's like when Peter said, not so, Lord, in the book of Acts. Remember that? Not so, Lord. You can't say not and so, Lord, in the same breath. It's either yes, Lord, or no, Lord. No in the middles. So the word of God has to be that place where we delight and we're believing it to be the infallible, inerrant, relevant word of God for our life here and now, this day. And then we meditate. Here's my thoughts on meditation. Now, a lot, of, a lot of thoughts out there. But meditation is basically this. You get along with God, whatever alone is for you, and whenever that happens. You begin in a time of prayer. And then in that time of prayer, you listen to what you've read in the Word of God. And then as you're leaving out of that time of meditation, you obey whatever you've heard. That sounds easy and simple. But it's challenging to walk into our closet and close the door and, and, and really get along with the Lord with the Word and get along with the Lord in prayer and really listen to, intently to the Lord and we hear from Him and then to come out of that closet area of our life and say, hey, Lord, I'm going to be obedient today in this that you've spoken to me. Now, the interesting thing is God knows who we are. His grace abounds. Forgiveness is always there. But sometimes He'll really throw a big challenge on our life. Sometimes He'll move something really heavy onto our agenda. We're always asking God, lighten my load, Lord. Help me out, Lord. Take that heavy thing off, Lord. And he can do that too. And he does it often. But every now and then, he wants to push something heavy onto our agenda. Something he wants in our life. But you know what? If God pushes heavy into your life, God is there to lift the heavy with you in your life. He's not expecting you to bear that up. So our delights in the Lord, the law of the Lord, he meditates day and night. And then verse 3, here's what's going to happen to us, church. Not what I say, it's what the Word of God says. Here's what's going to happen to us. When we do these things, we're not listening to the world, agreeing with the world. When we're delighting in the Word and receiving all the Word of God, what we need, it's going to begin to transform us into to this. Verse 3, He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. We're going to be like a tree planted with purpose. Now, I have an ongoing battle with a magnolia tree in my yard. I love southern magnolias. They're beautiful. But it's right on the corner of my house, right where I park my truck. And so there's a certain time of the year it begins. It begins just like this. One knock. It's that big magnolia nut or nut or whatever that thing is falling and hitting my truck. And then a couple days later, it's like, all right, tree, don't go there. And then it's like, and here's what I know. Brother Adam, it didn't fall till I pull up. There's not a nut in my driveway. I pull the truck up there. I get up the next morning. There's dozens. I'm telling you, that tree and I, we got this thing going on, man. It's tough. And I said, now, tree, I know you were planning for a purpose to be beautiful, and you are. But I own a chainsaw. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Remember, I'm a hillbilly from the Carolinas. We cut up everything. So with chainsaws. That's how we do remodeling. That's just how we do it. But it's interesting, that tree's planted for a purpose, and it's strong, and it's steady, it's going nowhere. So what I do, fuss at the tree, and pick up those little pine nuts, and throw them in the bag. You see, trees planted for a purpose have a purpose, and they're planted for a purpose. To enjoy, to bear fruit, to bring shade, to develop a growth where we can cut them down and make lumber, and build houses, and build churches, and build beautiful woodwork like this. All these trees, if these wood that we see around the sanctuary was planted for a purpose to be harvested see when we delight in the word and it's 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 doing its work in us we're being transformed we're becoming that tree planted for a purpose and here's what i love not just purpose 
but planted by rivers of water, bring forth its fruit in season. The leaves don't wither. Whatever he does, prosper. We have a place, my, 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 my family does, my in-laws, I should say, Daphne, and when I first met them, they have a place in Sky Valley, this timeshare, and, uh, and so they may be the only people on the face of the earth who's actually got more use out of a timeshare than timeshare out of them. So anyway, but we go out there, and there's this falls, it's cascading falls, a beautiful falls out there at the end of this road, and, and, and there's this tree, I mean, literally, like, like here's, the, here's the falls, and here's the water, and here's this tree, and this tree's right here to the edge of the falls, and there's this massive rock here, and a massive rock here, and there's a crack right in the middle, because this tree, this big around, grew up by that water and split that rock. The rock's the same rock. You can tell how it split off. So 150, 250 years ago, I don't know how old that tree is. It's well over 150 years old. Grew up by the water, and the water allowed that tree to split that massive piece of granite-looking rock. You see, it was a tree. Now, it was planted by the purpose of God. No one planted it there to harvest it later. It came out of God's hand. But it was planted by that river of water, that creek. So it's getting all that nourishing water all the time. And this thing has continued to grow and grow and grow. It's done amazing things. You see, that's our life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans you have, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. You see, God plants our lives with a purpose. And he plants it by the, the word of God, which is the living water of God, in a sense, we have here. Jesus is the living word, the living water. But the text, the scriptures he's given to us as well, the Holy Spirit that enables us to understand those things, the body of Christ that helps nurture those things. He's got a promise out there, a future and a hope. He says all these amazing things, and then he pauses and says, verse 4, the ungodly are not so. What a hard statement. It breaks my heart because I've got friends who don't live according to the word of God. They don't know Jesus as Savior. They're not a part of a wonderful church like this. They're, they're just going through life on their own understanding. They're going through life with the understanding they've gained in the world growing up. And I'm not saying that, that, that my life's everything everyone wants, but I can tell you my life I know has purpose and meaning, not for only just for me and my family, but for the kingdom's sake, for eternity. And their life, I'm not saying they're not valuable, and they're not valuable to community. It's just, but their life has no eternal good on the end of this thing. They're doing good things here. But good doesn't get us to a relationship with Christ. It's faith in Christ. It's living according to his word, as believers we know. All of these things. So this morning, I want to share these things and challenge you these things and just encourage you these because this is something that I'll pull out often in my own life, in my own quiet time, when I'm struggling with my love for the Word of God or I'm struggling with my obedience to the Word of God or I'm struggling with my desire or, or the desire that should be there to share the Word of God. And this helps me to remind me that blessed is the man who doesn't listen to the world but dives into the Word, allows that Word to challenge me and in that changing, it provides me the opportunity and the foundation to talk and encourage and share with people that they don't have to be on the verse 4 side of life. They can know Jesus personally, have that personal relationship, have the Holy Spirit who gives that understanding to the Word of God, understand the Scriptures, and have a, a completely different perspective of life, which the, the Scriptures tell us is a life where the leaves don't wither, and whatever you do shall prosper. 
You see, it's a life of encouragement and positiveness. Jess Henley is an old preacher. I love old preachers because I just feel like, man, these are some men who spend a lot of time in the Word and a lot of time in prayer. I love young preachers too, but sometimes younger preachers, I just don't know if they're spending time in the Word. And I just don't know if they're spending time in prayer like what used to be and maybe what needs to be. I'm just, I'm just saying sometimes you wonder sometimes because I hear, I hear some wonderful quotes and statements, but then when you, you're around them, you don't sense that sense of holiness. You don't sense that sense of, of just God just in them and just saturating their lives. Jess Henley said this, It's not the truth you know, but it's the truth you obey that matters. So the challenge this morning is get into the Word so you can hear from God. But it's not just so you can hear more and more and more and more and more truth. It's so that when you hear that truth, you're willing to obey that truth. And I'm just telling you, when you obey the truth of the Word of God, God's going to multiply that out. He's gonna, it's going to begin to run like a, you know, like a root of a, of a large tree. It, it holds me a little more in the wind. And another root of another tree, and it holds me a little more in the wind. And another root of another tree, and it holds me a little more in the, in the wind. Because you and I have been in the winds lately. Some of us are still in the winds lately. Some of us are right in the middle of a hurricane. And we're saying, Lord, help me. He's heard your cry. He has a way through. And the word of God is how he wants to stabilize you in the midst of this time of whatever's blowing. I want to challenge you again. Ask the Lord to, to rekindle that desire for the word so that when you're, you've got the word of God, you're just not hearing and reading, which is good. And it will improve your life and change your life. That's how the gospel comes. But study, meditate, memorize the word of God. So that it really does transform your life. When Adam texted me this morning, I thought, Lord, what am I going to say to my church this morning? Oh, you know? And so I thought, you know what? When in doubt, there are two places I'm always going to go. The Word of God and prayer. So this morning, we got the Word of God. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for this sweet church. I love these men who lead and women as well who give leadership to ministries here. I love this congregation, Lord, who is so loving and kind. And, and Lord, I appreciate their encouragement. And Lord, I appreciate their patience with me as I try to share things from my perspective. And, and God, I just again, we're grateful for what you've done in our life through Jesus. I pray now, Lord, as always, if there's someone here without Christ, they may know that Christ is right there at hand. Uh, Lord, it takes a moment of of repentance and acceptance and trust. And Lord, we'd be glad to, to help encourage them through that process. Lord, there are others of us here who we know Jesus, but maybe we've neglected the word or maybe we've neglected uh, time in prayer or maybe we've neglected just uh, the fellowship of, of Christ. So Father, I pray, however, we need to hear a fresh word from your word by your Holy Spirit today. Speak to us. And Lord, we're just grateful to make sure that we give you all the glory and the praise for you alone, O Lord, are worthy. And it's in Jesus' sweet name we pray.